Hi, I'm Haley from Paramore, and you're watching Behind the Brand. Hey everyone, I'm Brian Elliott. Welcome to another edition of Behind the Brand. Today I'm here with the amazing Haley Williams. Haley, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. I usually ask people, how'd you get this job? Oh man, this started a, a long time ago. I was 12 or 13 when I joined my band and um, we were just kids in school, you know, and I, I come from a really small town in Mississippi and I was sort of the only person in my school that really was interested in music. So by the time... I, you know, I was old enough to know anything. I knew that I wanted to sing and write songs and play with my friends in a band. You know, I wanted to be a part of something. So it wasn't until I moved to Nashville I, I met my friends that, that also wrote. And that was like this revelation for me to meet other people my age who wanted to do the same thing as me. I felt less alone, you know. So, um, yeah, we, we didn't really waste any time. We started after school. on Every Thursday we went to school because it was like this homeschool kid thing. How old were you at this time? I was like 13. Yeah, we were. I was in seventh grade. Um, Zach, our drummer, was 11, you know, but we it, it was serious to us. It was already a career for us, you know, and um, I think our first gig was the school talent show. So let's go back to the time where you were 12, 13, just getting started. Did, did you know that you wanted to be a pro? Yeah, I think I did. I mean, I, I didn't know how possible it was. I just thought I'm going to have fun doing it. You know, I felt like um, I had seen... You know, I would see movies like uh, The Temptations or even like even Spice World. And I just thought well, they're all having fun with their friends making music. And it's like it's their thing. It's their job. And I wanted that. You know, I, I wanted to feel like, uh, you know, I wanted that us against the world kind of thing, which is just sort of inherently part of starting a band. You just kind of have this. It's like this very innocent gang mentality. And we, you know, we started that way. And then the next thing we knew, we were in a van on the road. So were you writing music or were you like aspiring singer? Like you were, I don't know, in your church or you're like singing on the street corner, or like always in the shower. What, how did it get started? Well, I did sing in church, but I was really shy as a kid. Um, my parents separated pretty early on and I was an only child um, for a while until my dad um, in his second marriage had my sisters. And um, I just I just loved music. I really, I, I had this belief that I could do it, but I needed to get past, like, I, I, I didn't really feel like proving it to anyone. I just kind of knew that it, it, it could happen. So I sang in church a few times. I had a friend that I would sing with um, for, ran, you know, whatever random talent shows there, there were if I got up the courage to do it. But it really wasn't until I started writing songs. And I think writing gave me I just realized I had a voice and I had my own mind because it, it's one thing to mimic your favorite singers and sing along in the car, but it's another thing to have your own voice. Yeah. What do you think it is about music that either heals us or it resonates with us? I mean, it sounds like you went through a really hard time with your parents' divorce. Um, and did music help you through some of that? Yeah. I mean, being a kid and you know having your parents split up isn't all that unique, but it's, it's still heavy, you know? And, um, I think for me, I always loved sad songs and I didn't know why, but I, I think I really picked up on a lot of the, the heartache that was going on in my family. And I didn't know how to say it myself. I mean, I was like six, you know, but all these other songs did. And so those were the ones that I really, those were the ones that resonated with me 
um, from an early age. And, um, you know, when I did start writing lyrics, it was a lot of really sad stuff and it was a lot of, um, injustice, you know, and there was some angst, a lot of angst and, and early paramour. But, um, you know, that, you know, I think it's healing because it's this space that you have. I mean, I think if you're a writer, then you know it, it's that moment that you have to yourself to, to really think through how you feel about something. And it's, it's uninterrupted, you know, it's, it's your own moment with those feelings to, to make peace with them. Yeah, and it's it's somewhat cathartic, right? Like, yeah. so you're getting your feelings out into lyrics or yes. into a melody or a harmony. Yeah, I think the coolest thing for me about writing a song is fitting my feelings into a melody or into a rhythm because I'm I'm a very rhythmic um, singer. I, I think most of the stuff that inspires me as a writer is syncopated rhythms, and and I'm lucky because I'm in a band with two people who play drums and are incredible and I played drums as a kid as well. So that's just kind of like something that when I write, I listen for how I can fit my words. I mean, some of the songs we wrote early on, I'm, I ended up almost like rapping in this, you know, Misery Business was one of our first big singles and there's so many words, but it felt so good to say them along with this, this rhythm that gave every word more power. And I think, I don't know, that, that feels really good. So what comes first with you? Is it the is it the lyrics or is it the rhythm or is it the melody or? Well, uh, with Paramore, we tend to write music first and then I kind of go and I listen to that. I might learn uh, learn it on guitar, or learn it on piano, and I, I kind of live with it um, alone because I do I do tend to write words in secret because, like I said, it's that's my space to really feel something out. But um, you keep it like in a diary journal, or yeah, I, it all, it feels better to physically write yeah. out the words. You and like Eminem, right? You've got like your notebook <laughs> and you're working on. People do compare me to Eminem quite often. They don't, but um, I I like writing it because I think it's that tangible release you know i mean i do i do type everything out too um but oh, but sometimes like you're just you're traveling or you're in you're getting coffee or whatever and it's like yeah. you think of something it's good yes yeah, so you need to jot it down I, i'm old school like that too i like to yeah. keep i have like my to-do list on a physical list and i like to cross <laughs> it off don't don't you think that when you when you write your to-do list you do it like better if you than if you were to type it out i'm that way yeah i'm i'm kinetic learner so like when i yeah. do i learn so yeah. The act of writing helps me remember yes. somehow it sinks in deeper. Yep, me too. I'm the same way. I, I definitely, I like also like if I am writing out lyrics, and I don't like something, I like scratching it out, like seeing it scribbled over, more than just deleting it because it, it. I really, I really shut it down. You know, if I'm scribbling over it. But anyway, yeah, writing writing physically just feels better. So we're talking off camera a little bit about Karen Carpenter. Who are some of your other kind of inspirations? Oh, man, I I feel like I was lucky to, you know, my parents were really young when they had me. So I feel like I, I got to listen to a lot of cool music as a kid. Um, and and I, I'm able to reference things that um, most times people that are a little bit older than me will reference. And I feel lucky for that. So, I mean, I listen to a lot of Shaka Khan and, um, I mean, and, and the classic rock with my dad, of course, but, um, you know, I, I feel also really lucky that my granddad was into soul and funk music. So that's where like the Shaka Khan and the, and like Temptations or, you know, a lot of Motown stuff, Elvis even, you know. 
Cool. And, you know, you're petite, but you're, you know, you've got this amazing projection. You've got this killer voice. I mean, it reminds me of some of these power voices of, you know, whether it's uh, Shaka Khan or, you know, any of these, you know, amazingly dynamic, powerful voices. Um, is that like your alter ego? Like you said, you're kind of a little bit like um, an introvert. Does the extrovert come out on stage? How does that work? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm. we've spent two years off at this point just writing, and I feel like I've gotten to know my introverted self a lot more in the past two years than I had. You know, I hadn't really been given the chance on the road because we're surrounded by so many people. And I do think I'm good at that. I. I it's not that I think I'm... Um, better off in a room by myself. I, I think I love to listen to people's stories and I like engaging and connecting. And that's a beautiful thing about being in a band that travels and meeting, you know, meeting fans that become sort of like your family. But um, yeah, I think on stage, it, it does give me a chance to let her out, you know, like let that side of me that um, I really think I need that expression. I need to complete those, like the things that I'm writing in my journal and the things that I'm writing to music, it's 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 one way to express that feeling, but to fully realize it, I think, is to perform it yeah. and really exercise those demons. You know, a lot of people who watch this, they uh, they're creative, they're artists or future artists. Mm -hmm. um, they're they've got some sort of side hustle or some dream that they've got. Yeah. Maybe let's get a little bit personal and talk about some of the things that you got wrong in order to get it right. And maybe talk uh, to this audience about, you know, like, hang in there, it takes time, whatever your advice is, what would you say to those young people just getting started? Man, I mean, we started really young. And I think one thing I, I wouldn't do anything different, because I feel like I'm here sitting on this stool, because I did things the way that I did, and the band did things the way that we did. But I do wish, in a way, I had been a little bit more fearless about my position early on. Because, you know, there weren't a lot of girls in the scene um, when we were kids. I mean, there were plenty of girls to look up to. There, were, there was Gwen Stefani, there was Brody from Distillers, and Shirley Manson, and all these wonderful females. I mean, even Debbie Harry, Cindy Lauper. But I, I didn't have anyone my age around me that was a female. I was just on a tour with, like, guys twice my age. And I really, um, I, I think I, I didn't show it on stage, but I doubted myself a lot. I really did. And I felt, um, I felt that loneliness sort of translating into something that it, it shouldn't have. You doubted um, yourself, like, your skills, like you could actually do it? or like I just doubted whether or not people would ever take me seriously. Like you know. imposter syndrome, like, what am yes, I Yes, we were just talking about this. Yeah. Yes. Imposter syndrome. I have it. I have imposter syndrome. I, 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 I'm just going to accept it because I, because I think that I'm ready to get over it. But, I mean, I'm 28 and I've been in a band for 13 years, and I'm just now realizing that that's really what it is, you know. It's feeling like maybe I didn't do enough to deserve where I got or someone's going to catch me and – realize that it's not it's not real I don't know yeah where does that come from though is that just like what we manufacture in our own minds or I wish I knew where imposter syndrome came from because I know a lot of people struggle with that I mean yeah. me too sometimes I feel like yeah I have to pinch myself like wow this is amazing am I really here <laughs> yeah. with you um and I think probably a lot of people watching can relate to that but like mm -hmm. is that self-made like self-sabotage or is that outside influence you know what's funny is I do think that even though even though it was lonely to be the only girl coming up in a scene that 
it was tough already. You know, you're in a van traveling around. You're not really sleeping well. You're you're playing shows to half-filled or maybe not even half-filled rooms. Like, I do think that my age actually helped me. And as I've gotten older, I think we get older and we we really start to overthink things. You know, there's we we know a little bit more. Our experiences kind of stack up, and and it's there's more to think about and. Maybe that means there's more to doubt about. So I, um, I don't know. I there's days that I think back and I'm like, God, I'm so glad there's so many other females for me to lean on. Like my friend Beth from Best Coast is, I text her all the time just to kind of get her opinion on something or just to feel like I've got, I don't know, a, just a female that understands. But I, I wish I had that as a kid. But I also look back and I think, man, I was so young and I was. I just didn't, I was green. And so I just did what I felt. Yeah. And I think, I think you got to remember to just do what you feel and follow that. Even, you know, when you get older and there's a lot more to pay attention to. What do you say to those who, you know, they're in the struggle and they don't know, gosh, how much longer should I keep gigging or like keep just grinding it out? Whether they've got you know, they're singing on YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. um, or they're playing the local coffee shop or a club. Like, how long do you give this great idea, your passion, until... Because a, a lot of people say, when are you going to get this real job? Especially the, the yeah. doubters, you know, who yeah. may not... Maybe you're this diamond in the rough, you know, like you really haven't completely come into your own yet. But, yeah. like, how do you push through that? It's interesting to think about what makes me want to keep going, um, and what might make me want to quit. Because we've, you know, my band, we've been through so many crazy, I mean, we've been through a lot of hard times. And um, we've been through incredible, we've had so many successes and these great achievements, but that also doesn't, that shouldn't be the fuel either to keep going. Um, I think, to be really honest, you know, two years ago, I was ready to quit. I was, I just thought, um, you know, I'd, been through a lot personally and the band had been through a lot and um I doubted if I could write a record that I loved as much as our self-titled record um and I just thought man like this is I've been stressing this for 13 years I've been working my ass off for 13 years since before I had a car before I had you know anything that was mine you know the only thing that was mine was this music you know was this bond that I had with my friends the you know, these shows that we played, um, I, I really felt like maybe it was time to hang it up and find out what other things I could be good at, whether that's like just being a, like starting a family or, you know, doing hair dye or whatever it was. But I, I think my, you know, my dad always said, if you're not happy, just, just hang it up. If it, but I have been unhappy and I didn't hang it up. And I'm so, I'm so glad that I didn't, you know, and I mean, I guess I would tell my kid, you should be happy. But I feel now I look back at like even the last two years and I think about all the songs we've written for the album that's upcoming. And I just think like I, I pushed myself to a place where I could, I could still hang it up if I wanted to. It's a choice. You, ha- you have to know you have the choice. But I think it's good to see what you're made of. And I really kind of found, have been finding that out more recently, I think, more so now than I had in the last, our whole career so far, you know. That's really good advice. I, mean, I want to underscore that because sure. it's subtle, maybe 
if you're watching, you may have missed it. If I could put quotes around what you just said, mm -hmm. um, I would maybe put, I can do hard things. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. It's a really important lesson yeah. that you're talking about, which is when the going gets tough, you know, maybe 99% of us, we just feel like quitting, giving up. Yeah. Um, and it's really easy to give up, mm -hmm. especially when it's all your choice. But maybe there is something better if you go just a little bit beyond that, you know, yeah. stretching yourself, yeah, totally. going for it. And really, I guess what you're saying, too, is you have to evaluate what do you have to lose? Yeah, you know, like right. What's the risk versus reward? Mm -hmm. What do they say? They say um, failure is not an option. Yeah. But really, failure has to be an option. Yeah, it does. Right? Because in order to have success, you've got to have the failure mm -hmm. to even know what success feels like, right? That's, yeah, that's yeah. so true. The trick is not to fail too far that you can't come back and play another day. Yeah. You know? I think knowing that I had the choice was probably the most empowering moment for me. Like when I realized that, you know, and even talking to Taylor, my bandmate, and him saying, you know, um, I think it also helps to have good friends and have that kind of support around you. But just having him say, you know, this is, you have a choice. And I, I'm not going to be mad at you either way. I'm still going to be your friend. We can write music for other things. We can never write music again. But but when I realized that it was my choice to leave it behind and, you know, try something else or keep going and maybe maybe still hurt a little while and figuring out whether or not I wanted to do this, that, that was that was my moment. You know, that was a good moment for me. Tell me something your fans might not know about you. <sighs> what are you good at? What am I good at? <laughs> Besides singing, writing, creating music? So I, I always, I mean, I really always say Paramore is the only thing I'm good at, but I, I, I think that what I've found through starting another, like starting another business, and it's, it's funny to think of Paramore as a business because it's so second nature is like this hobby, passion, after school thing that started 13 years ago. Like now I look at myself when I'm working for Good Die Young and I think, God, I'm, I'm good. I doubt myself a lot. I still doubt myself. Um, so Good Die Young is your new startup, but yeah. it's not really a startup. It's like about a year old, right? It's about a year old, yeah. yeah. So um, for people who don't know about it, what is it? Break it down. Uh, it's a hair dye company. It's it's color, and it's 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 very expressive, and it's something I'm really passionate about. Um, it kind of became a part of, I guess, what people saw as, you know, it was a part of my identity within the band. Yeah, your persona, right? Yeah, it really was, but I... But it was very, much more personal to me because it was very emotional, and I thought, um, I want to, I want to make this a thing. Uh, you know, I want to hopefully empower other people to use these tools that hopefully I'll be able to create well. Um, you know, to to express themselves, and maybe we can make something cool out of it. Yeah, but it's really different than a lot of these other cosmetics out there, right? Or yeah. hair dye products. What's different about it? To me, the most important part about it is the community that's built around it. I mean, they're great products. I, I mean, it's it's great quality. But I feel like the mission around it is is even more important. You know, I think that social mission of, you know, just trying to give, I mean, really young people a place to be weird and try new things. Um, you know, it's this healthy way to that they can learn to express themselves maybe in a way they've never tried to before. Um, it certainly gave me an outlet outside of writing. Um, it was something that I needed. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch this community grow. I mean, like you said, it's, it's a year. We're a year in right now. But um, I'm loving what I, how I get to witness it 
every day I get to witness the community online. How hands-on are you as, you know, this entrepreneur, now this new, new side of you? Like, how involved in the business are you, and, and what have you learned? I'm more involved in the business than I would probably even like to be. I, I, I've learned so much, um, so many things that two years ago I would have said I never really even cared to know because it just sounded boring, but it's become like... Like what? Oh, just, God, just, I mean, process of building a team, vetting labs, you know, number, so many numbers. I hate numbers. I'm a musician. <laughs> I mean, maybe a lot of musicians are great with numbers, but I'm a writer. I'm, I like words, you know, and I like singing and my brain doesn't work very mathematically, I don't think. So that's been a huge learning curve for me and, and something I'm still kind of figuring out how to fit into my little brain. But, um, but I've, I've found that I am very comfortable sitting at the head of a table talking about strategy and I love marketing and, you know, especially just really creative marketing and, um, and we're really, we're getting this thing up off the ground and, and I, it's funny to think that it, it doesn't feel that different than trying to get Paramore off the ground when we were kids. Like it was just, what can we put where and how can we be authentic through all of it, you know? I was going to say, like, so tell me if I'm wrong, but like it seems like maybe you're so comfortable with all those things because it's just an extension of yourself. Yeah, yeah. And that, I think that's the key. It, 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 I hope that it would be the key for anyone starting um, starting a project, whether it's a, a big business or a, or even just a, a passion project. It should be a passion project, I think, no matter what you're involved in. I mean, there's always going to be things that you, you you may not enjoy as other, you know, as much as others, but um, – but I, yeah, I, I love it. I, I've, I'm intimidated and I love that. I love the challenge. I mean, meeting with investors was very scary and I thought, I'm, I'm not going to know what to say. And then we got to the first board meeting and I was like, I'm not going to know what to say. And and it's fun. You know, I, I love the challenge and I love that I sit down and I, I do have that moment where I realize, oh yeah, this is just what I love. This is not really that far. <laughs> this isn't that different. Yeah. And isn't that just like about everything? Like, we're sort of scared with what's around the bend because we can't see it. Yeah. We've never done it. So it's like, I, I always ask people, like, when's the last time you really did something for the first time? Right. And And a lot of people say, oh, gosh, you know, not recently. Yeah. And it's because it can be scary, right? We imagine all these things that could go wrong or might happen. And it's all mm -hmm. like really false forecasting. Yeah. Yeah. And the older you get, I think it's even like... You know, it's it's kind of like when I was a kid, I rode BMX and I loved it. And really? I rode with all the boys and I wasn't afraid of falling and it was just fun. And now when I get on a bike now, I, I won't even ride without both my hands on the handlebars, you know. And it, I, I think there's just something to getting older that you have to, I don't know, you just have to trust that you've got it within yourself and not doubt too much. The doubting thing, man. It's Yeah, it's. I, I heard a friend of mine say that kind of thinking is like experiencing failure in reverse. Yeah, yeah. There's like really no point to it because it hasn't happened yet. Wow, that's a cool way to say it. You know, so there are some things that you should worry about, you know, whether that's earthquake preparedness or whatever, <laughs> you know, like you should be prepared for earthquake. But like, so if something hasn't happened yet, we shouldn't manufacture it in our minds yeah. until it happens. And then we can be scared of it and then deal with it, right? Yeah, and that's but that's hard, like... Um, I n I've never really struggled with anxiety until this past two years that I was telling you. It just I just felt like, what if I never make something that I love as much as the self-titled album? You know, what if our fourth album was our last album? There was even a moment where I thought it should be our last album because I don't want to make a fifth album and it suck. You know, I don't I don't want to like disappoint myself 
more than I don't want to disappoint, you know, however many people that might buy it. I, yeah. I just, I never made a fifth record before until me and my friends wrote it and recorded it. And it is funny what we tell ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's the moment that we get stuck. Yeah. It's, it's paralyzing. Either, yeah. It can be like analysis paralysis, like should I, shouldn't I? Or sometimes it's just like the fight or flight thing. takes, yeah. And we're like, I'm out. Right. I think uh, I saw a really good TED Talk. Do you know Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote Eat, Pray, Love? Yes. Yeah. Did you see this TED Talk where she talks about, you know, I is our best it. work behind us? I need to watch it. I haven't watched this. So she, you know, she wrote that amazing book. It got yeah. made to a movie and... And then she's like, okay, then now what? <laughs> Damn, yeah. That's and there's scary. all this pressure, right? Yeah. Um, I think the pressure that you put on yourself is worse than any. Because every time we put out a, a, another album, we get asked in interviews, you know, what was the pressure like from your label to follow up the success of blah, blah, blah album? And and I've never understood that. And I, and I think, you know, maybe we're lucky to have a great relationship with our label in that sense. But I, the pressure came from us, like me, you know, just not wanting to disappoint myself or scare myself off. It's interesting. Yeah. I'm going to cue this up. Tell <laughs> okay. me what you think about when you hear this song. Uh, my first apartment. I'm in my first apartment. I I just turned 19. I had the saddest birthday of my whole life. I don't even can't even tell you. Why. Oh, I'd been through a breakup, and I and I hate birthdays. So I just sat by myself in my chair at home, and I got wallowing in self pity. Oh, just at at 19, just this is the end. And I um, hate my life. <laughs> coming off of a great album and all this, but you know. I, I had that same fear before Brand New Eyes came out, which is the album that The Only Exception is on. I, I had that fear. Riot was our first real success, and I thought, oh, what if I, you know, I was so angry. Like, the band, I just see a lot of um, tension when I hear it, which is funny because it's such a pretty song, but I feel, I can almost feel it in my chest, you know, like I tense up because... It was a really rough time for us. And that song is about, I had just started dating my now husband, and I didn't really even think I thought love was a thing. You know, I, my, I, all I could think about was my parents' divorce, and I, I don't know what triggered all those. I guess just maybe, maybe realizing I was falling in love. But I was also just, I, I had been through a breakup that seemed to never end because we were in a band together. My ex and I were in a band together. So it was just, I just feel tension when I hear it. It's, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's a very moving song. And I think, you know, doing the research and kind of rolling back the timeline, we, we the audience, you know, the fans could see that it's, it was a relationship song. Maybe we yeah. didn't know what was happening with the band. Yeah. But like, I think it's interesting. Have you t have you talked to other fans about how they might interpret that song differently? Because it certainly it hit me. It struck a chord with me for a very different reason. Wow, I would love to know that. You want to hear a quick story? I would love to hear it. Yes. So when I hear the song, mm -hmm. it reminds me of the time that I had really high walls up. Yeah. So I'm adopted, mm -hmm. and all my life I was searching for my birth parents. Wow. And um, I actually found my mom. No. And how how old were you? I was. This was maybe 
10 years ago. Wow, yeah. my God. Um, and, and when I found her, she didn't want to be found. Mm. And that was unexpected. Wow. And it really, it was very painful. Mm. And I sort of wanted to just kind of quit. There's a line in that song, right, where like, I think you say something about waking up in the morning and you don't really know if it's real. What's the, what's the line? Um, the, in the bridge, I know yeah. you're leaving in the morning yeah. when you wake up. Leave me with some kind of proof it's not a dream. Yeah. Yeah. And so I had very high walls up. And then after that, I, I went to f try and find my dad. Mm -hmm. And um, part of me wanted to just kind of quit the journey. Yeah. Because I had been hurt so badly. Right. You know, that I didn't want to be vulnerable again. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to wear my heart on my sleeve where I had it because it was just, it was just trampled, yeah. you know. And so eventually I did find my dad. And it, it was a much better outcome. He. Oh, man. Yeah, it was. I, I just felt so much relief when you said <laughs> that. Oh, my God. No, we've had this amazing reunion, and I found out that I, I have a couple sisters. And what? It was amazing. But, like, when I think about that song, that I didn't think um, things were possible. And I especially didn't want to be vulnerable again. Yeah, right. Um, why would you want, you know, why, how could you after it's being hard. like that? It's hard. Um, I read another great book by one of my favorite authors, Brene Brown. Lo oh, Do you know Brene? I love her, yeah. yeah. And one thing that she said, actually she quoted J.K. Rowling on this. She said, you know, it's from Harry Potter. She's like, only until we step into the darkness can we find the light. Yeah, so good. So good, right? Yeah, it's so good. And then the other thing she said that really just, just nailed me was the depth that we're willing to be vulnerable mm -hmm. is the measure of our courage. Damn her. She, right? And she's so, so good every time. Yeah, so I just had, I had to, so your song, along with lots of other words of wisdom, you know, really helped me get through that, wow. where I knew that, you know, only when you're willing to be vulnerable and understand that you could be hurt again, that's where the magic can happen, right? That's just, so, yeah, that's where I was at. And that's so, that's, I'm honored, man, to hear, that's insane. Me. No, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard a story in relation to that song like that. Thank you for telling me that because that's no. really cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I I get that, and I think I've I don't you know I, it's so funny how we how we experience love in our own life sometimes through this filter of the way that we see our parents and or the way they've seen us or you know or and in, in a, a lack thereof and and that was really hard for me to get over even just from something as simple as my parents getting a divorce which I, I mean I have, think I have one friend whose parents aren't divorced and he's in the band you know like <laughs> and it blows my mind when his parents his family comes to the show I'm just like what's that like but um and I think what you're saying too is, is really important message it's mm -hmm. like I mean, it maybe took you a little while to grow out of it or yeah. grow, get through it, but sometimes we carry that baggage with us and we think that's our identity or yes. how we should act, right? Yes. And it's not. We, we can hit the reset button, Yeah. right? We can be who we want to be. It's almost like that. Just <laughs> yeah, you don't right. care what anyone says. Yeah. You just have to that's, do it. It's hard to do that, though. It's really hard to get there. I'm still trying to get there, yeah. you know? And and it is, a, I think, what I'm learning, and I, and I think Brene Brown says something about it, too, and I, I won't even try to quote her because I'll botch it, but... But just about owning your story so that it, it doesn't own you, that's something that I'm constantly wrestling with, you know. Um, 
because I, I, I mean, whether it was the band or just other parts of my personal life, I've felt a lot of things that I, that I, I think for a long time I've, I've held those things as, as betrayals. And, um, and it's hard to stay soft and tender when you have all those, that, all that stuff that's just yeah. coming at you, these arrows, um, you want to put up a shield, like you said about the walls, but I think it's so glorious to just be soft. But that's part of it. Yeah. Right? Like life, we, when we finally understand that there's good times and bad times, mm-hmm. that like there's either life or there's hiding. Yeah, right, right. Yes. And so when we get comfortable with like, all right, bring it on, like what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Then I think we truly start living mm-hmm the life that we have the potential to live, you know? Yeah. Man, this is good. Can we do this once a week? Yeah. yeah let's... I, need, I need a second therapist. <laughs> All right, maybe let's give some final words of advice to young entrepreneurs, you know, people who are in the struggle. Yeah. Um, they admire you. They love what you've done. But, you know, they're also doing other things. So they're, they're engineers or they're writing code or they're, they're artists or, you know, they, are, they love math, whatever it is. So, like, what's your advice to people doing cool stuff that, might not work. It might not work. Well, that's the that's the bottom line, right? But what is not working? Right. So maybe we can define that too. But it's yeah. all experimental. When we yeah. start new new things, we don't know the outcome. Right. Yeah. If we if it was predictable, everyone would be doing it. Yeah. Right. I really think that. I mean, for me, and I. I mean, this has nothing to do with the music business. This is just life. I think when I've felt something in my gut and I didn't follow that, I mean, I paid for it every time. And so I re I mean, I try to really pay attention because I think that we do know ourselves. We do know our passions and, and the things that, that might put us in danger. I mean, these are like instinctive things, you know, um, we know what we're capable of. And sometimes I think we, even when we, even when we know we might not be capable, we know when we can give it a shot and be all right, you know, and that's, I think maybe the danger thing that I was talking about. But for me, following that gut feeling has has even when it didn't work out or look the way I thought it it would, uh, has always paid off. And you know, I mean, <laughs> Paramore, we're, we're on our fifth album. We've been a band since I was thirteen. I'm twenty eight now, and I'm still alive. You know, been through a lot of pain, still alive. Started a new company. It's really scary. <laughs> still alive. And it's and I think that it's because. Um, I value that gut feeling, you know. So yeah, I would. I guess I would just say, you'll know if it's you'll know if it's worth going after or not. You'll know that, and and if you don't, then you'll know when it's time to try something new. But it's not gonna kill you. <laughs>